an exciting opportunity for you here at the church. We're going to be doing an Easter cantata. So what's a cantata? All it is is a bunch of us on stage singing and worshiping the Lord on Easter morning. So Sayla, what's all the details? So if you can sing and you'd like to be a part, you can go out to the Welcome Center and sign up. Or you can see either of us or Regina Ingram to get involved. And we would love to have you come worship with us. Yep, come join us. Sign up today. So maybe you're new to Only Believe or you've just been here a while observing, but you're not involved. You know you're a part of the bigger picture, but you don't know exactly what that looks like. I'm Pastor Nicole. I'm asking you to become a member here at Only Believe. Spend a Saturday morning with me, the first Saturday of the month, and let me share with you this wonderful prayer that we pray for your life. I wanna discuss it with you. You know, it's important that we know who God is and then when we know who he is, our soul and our hearts begin to change. And we find freedom from things that often have been a vice in our life or chains that the devil meant to hold us bound. And then I'm gonna help you discover your purpose. We're gonna go through a class together and learn what you were designed to do. And then we're gonna do that and make a difference in the kingdom. See, everyone has a part to play in the body of Christ. I want you to find yours. Join me Saturday for Next Steps. You will definitely see what's next for you. Women become in an atmosphere of security. Men become in an atmosphere of honor because we cannot reach our full potential without each other. You're not pursuing your wife as the treasure she is with your whole heart, man. You are missing out. Your wife needs and deserves your whole heart. Husbands are our treasure too. Whatever we put our effort to, whatever we give our time, our resources to, that's going to become the treasure in our life. You can experience your freedom. You can experience forgiveness that is not of this world. You're going to experience it in his time, for his glory. But in the meantime, don't miss it. Well, good evening, church. How's everyone tonight? Ooh, sleepy? <laughs> Sounds a little sleepy out there. I'm feeling you. Last commercial up there, that marriage conference. I encourage you, if you are married, to come to the marriage conference. We've had it a few times here at the church. And every year, I walk away with something. I'm like, oh, I need to work on that specific part. It's so good. It doesn't matter if you've been married for 30 years, 50 years like our pastors, or just a few years, or even engaged. I encourage you to come out to that marriage conference. It's going to be good. First, I want to welcome all the live streamers. Welcome to church. We are so happy to have you here. Hit that heart button. Show us some love. We are so glad you are joining us tonight. Also want to let you guys know that we have a miracle service coming up. So I can distinctly remember as a teenager coming to miracle services in the old building and seeing people brought in in wheelchairs with canes, with crutches, and pastor praying over people and then leaving a wheelchair 
or leaving canes and crutches. And I'm telling you, we as the church, we are called to pray for those who need healing. Amen? Amen. So I want to challenge all of you over these next couple weeks to find one person that you know is sick in their body, sick in their mind, sick in their heart emotionally, and I want you to invite them to this miracle service. It's at 6.30 on January 31st. It's really important that we exercise the giftings that God has given to us. Amen? Amen. So I encourage you, invite someone out to the miracle service. Also want to give you an update. Last week, we started small groups in this church on Wednesday night. Who's a part of a small group in this church? That's right. We are a church of small groups, and they were happening all around this building, and we had a great first start. Did anyone enjoy the rooms? Were they beautiful? Oh, my goodness. Pastor Nicole and the staff here at Only Believe worked their tails off that past week to make those rooms homey for you, to feel more comfortable. So if you see a staff member, tell them thank you. They all worked hard. We made the guys carry couches all over this building, and they loved it. Don't let them lie to you. They enjoyed it. It was a good workout. It was a good workout. And we, tonight, small groups continue. We are at week two, uh, and you'll be released after worship to go to that. And last thing, I want to invite you all out this rest of this week. We are finishing out 21 days of prayer. Prayer is essential. Prayer is a part of who we are as Christians. Amen? So I want to invite you out 7 to 8 p.m. right here in this building to come pray with us. Let's unite together as a family of faith because prayer changes things. Who believes that tonight? Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet tonight. It is time to worship. And Father, we come before you tonight, Lord, as your people. And we come tonight to say, Father, we are here to worship you in spirit and in truth. With everything we are, Father, we lay down ourselves tonight. We lay down our flesh tonight, God. Any motives, any ideas we have, Father. Because we've come to the house together to give you praise, to magnify you, to extol you, to put you in your rightful place, which is on the throne. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And we say tonight, faith will be released in this building. Tonight, faith will rise in this house. Come on, church. Let's declare that tonight. Faith will rise in this house tonight. Faith will rise in this house tonight. Let faith
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, our Lord does not sleep, nor does he slumber. He's not taken off guard. He's not surprised. For every battle he sets out to win, he's undefeated. He is our champion. Amen. Be strong and be courageous and do not be afraid. For our God still sits on his throne. Amen. Amen. I want to take time to encourage you tonight. It's giving and only believe, but I want to encourage you in your generosity. I want to encourage you that you here at Only Believe have a heart like Christ. I've seen more things in the last six months through your giving. I've watched people buy groceries. I've watched people pay rent. I've watched house payments be paid. I've watched cars be bought because of the generosity of this church's heart. And I just want to encourage you. You know, Galatians, the sixth chapter, the ninth verse says, don't grow weary in well-doing. For your seed, that harvest is coming. I know that there's some of you that have told me, Nicole, I started tithing for the first time. Don't grow weary in well-doing. For the Lord's word cannot return void. See, it says in Malachi 3.10 that when you bring the tithes into the storehouse, right? It says, prove me, prove me herewith that I'm going to open up the windows of heaven. Give him time. Give him time. God says that it's like a seed put into the ground. See, we put seeds in the ground, but we don't go out in two hours and expect there to be a big corn stalk. It takes time. Don't grow weary in well-doing, for your harvest is going to come. Just believe in his word and what he said. Trust me, if God said it, he'll do it. He performs it, and we'll receive it. Amen? All right, so Father, we just come before you tonight, God, and we know it's tithe and offering. And Father, I say this every week because this is my heart to you. It is an honor to give what you've asked. God, I give it back to you because I place you first in my life. I put my heart in the right place and I put you first in place of my finances. God, whatever you ask, I will do. 
I want to be obedient to you. But tonight, God, I mix my faith with your word, knowing that it shall not return void. And God, I expect you to prove yourself because that's what your word does. And I receive it and I proclaim it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Bring your tithes and offerings tonight. And then I want to remind you, as soon as you drop your tithes and offerings, we are in small groups. So you can head to your small group and then there will be a message by pastor in the main house. So hang tight. Well, if you'll turn your attention to the screens, Pastor Dosek has a word for us tonight. Hi. Hey, uh, I guess that you know that I'm not there right now. I'm on the screen. Uh, the reason is that I just feel like I've been ran over with a Mack truck and uh, he put in park when he got on top of me. So, uh, but I didn't want to break up what we're talking about, a revolution. A revolution uh, is a state that we uh, or anybody gets to the point that they get frustrated with what's going on. They uh, get disillusioned. They get uncomfortable. And uh, what happens when we become Christians, we see the promises of God and uh, we acknowledge them. But many times we don't overthrow the ruling powers of our old man that stops us from being uh, in our new man. And so what happens is we simply observe the promises, but we never have them. And so the first thing that I wanted to start talking about is we're going to take our opening scripture in uh, 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. We're going to look at verse 3. And it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the proling down of strongholds. Strongholds are something that are deeply rooted, something that has uh, encompassed portions of our lives. They are bondages. They are hindrances. They are prisons, however you want to uh, establish them. But they're just places that are going to take extra intensity to get righted or to get free from. And it says casting down imaginations. That word imagination simply means thoughts or reasonings that are against or hostile to the Christian faith. And that's where thoughts come in. We're talking about 
renewing our mind. We're talking about overthrowing the unrenewed mind. Stop letting the old mentality, the old way of thinking, the old thoughts uh, dominate our life. And when they dominate our life, they shut down faith. They just shut it down. Faith is non-existent when there are strongholds that are neglected. And then it says, casting down vain imaginations, every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Now, the knowledge of God is the redemption plan that he has fulfilled in Christ Jesus and bringing into captivity every thought, thought, thoughts. This has to do with our minds to the obedience of Christ. And then having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. In other words, never ever let up. And when they come back, you take vengeance upon them. You do something radical against them. Now, we talked last week about the mind being the first stronghold that anybody has to overcome. It is one of the major priorities that if you can get your mind renewed, then you can get your faith working. Now, in Numbers, the 13th chapter, Numbers, the 13th chapter, we're going to look at verse 17. It is Moses telling the Israelites to go in and spy out the land. And it says, and Moses sent them out to spy the land of Canaan, the land of blessing, the land of promise, that which has been agreed upon and promised, coveted to the fathers before uh, Israel was there. And that is uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it says, and he said unto them, get you up this way southward and up into the mountains and see the land what is and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether good or bad, or whether cities they be dwelt that be they dwell in, wherein in tents or in strongholds. Well, we know that uh, Zarephath was. I mean, I'm sorry, Jericho was a stronghold. It was the first stronghold that Israel came in, and it revolutionized their thinking. It caused them to think that they were grasshopper in the eyes of their enemies, when they weren't grasshoppers at all. Remember that Balaam saw them coming, and he said there is a sound of a lion in them. And also when they came before Rahab, Rahab said that, look, when we heard your name and heard what God had done on your side, we trembled and men had no strength in them. In other words, they just fainted. They just forsook any opportunity of thinking that they could defeat Israelites. And that is the same mindset of the enemy against you. That's why he seeks to build strongholds and to cause us to be oppressed by them. So 
we see that uh, uh, Jericho was a stronghold. And that that stronghold, when it was not dealt with, caused Israel to see themselves at a disadvantage. But after that stronghold was dealt with, then guess what? Their cities started falling easily because of the confidence, the strength, the revelation of Israel's mind. And so we see that these strongholds are there. Now I want to kind of jump over to uh, 1 Samuel, the 8th chapter. And we're just looking at some things that will help us uh, realize how dangerous an unrenewed mind is. That's 1 Samuel, the 8th chapter. This is at the uh, stage where Israel has come to rebel against God, to think like the world. They've been around the world. They've been being uh, infiltrated by the world, uh, not only by the Philistines, but by other communities and other nations and nationalities. And what's happened is they started wanting what Israel, what the world had instead of what Israel had. Israel was ruled by a theocracy. A theocracy is a one God and one man. That's theocracy. It's not democracy. The multitudes or the uh, majority, it is theocracy. It is God and one man. And that is the rule that God established Israel upon, was that God would always speak to a prophet or a priest, and that's how he would rule them. But Israel has been tainted, tarnished by these other thinking or these other ways of thinking from nations. So in 1 Samuel, the 8th chapter and verse 6, this is how it starts out. We're going to read uh, down through 9. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Now, what type of people doesn't want God reigning over them? Well, if you're wondering what I'm drinking, it's hot chocolate with marshmallows, and it is very good, and uh, rejected me. So whenever we succumb to the natural or carnal mind, what we do is we reject God, and we'll be seeing that in just a moment. And then it says in verse 8, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day where with they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now, therefore, hearken unto their voice, howbeit they protest solemn against them and show themselves the manner of the king that they shall reign over them. In other words, they're going to tell you what kind of stature, what kind of attitude, what kind of king that they want. They wanted a king like other people. Why? 
God was the entire package. Hallelujah. Well, in verse 19 in 1 Samuel 8, it says this, nevertheless, the people refused to obey. In other words, they refused to have a mind change. They wanted what they wanted, when they wanted it, how they wanted it, and why they wanted it. So, and it says, and they, re, they refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, nay, but we will have a king over us. Boy, what a more rebellious statement has never been made. We want the mindset of those that do not have God, nor are not ruled by God. We want their way. And it says that we also may be, what's this, like all the nations that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles which Saul never fought their battles, he put them into the battle. And it says, and Samuel heard all the words of the people and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, hearken unto their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, go ye every man to his city. So we understand that Saul later was elected king. What is Saul a representative of? Saul was record, uh, you know, uh, representative of the unrenewed mind, the carnal mind, the mind that rejects the rule of God. It's like those that, you know, uh, believe in the power of God, uh, believe in God, but refuse the power of God. That simply means that they will not be ruled by God. They say they call him Lord, but do not do the things that he says. What is that? That is the carnal mind. That is the mind that we are talking about leading a revolt against to overthrow it so that you and I can join the spirit of man and the soul of man in one. If that kingdom is not joined it will be divided against itself and you will find your mind fighting the influence of the recreated spirit. But the Bible tells us, listen, let the mind that was in Christ be in you. You have a choice. You can put it there or you can dethrone it. So it's important that we understand that we are pulling down strongholds. We have got to reverse this influence of the world and its ways of thinking and doing things so that you and I can hear the voice of our Samuel, the voice of our prophet, the voice of the man of God, the voice of God himself. So we have to overthrow that. And uh, not that it's easy, but it can be done. And that means that you have to base every decision, every thought upon the scriptures. And then if we will go to uh, Numbers 23, 14. Numbers 23, 14. This is talking about 
where David, a man after God's own heart, is anointed of God by Samuel. He is anointed, and uh, David is set into the place to be a king because God has rejected Saul because of his disobedience. Why? That's what the carnal mind always comes to. That's why the unrenewed mind always comes to a rebellious attitude towards God. Now, I'm not telling you your brain is a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, but it has to be renewed. And you cannot let thoughts of failure, what if it doesn't, thoughts of confusion, thoughts of accusations, reason, and so forth. When you put your faith out before God and towards God, then you have to stand and let the mind of Christ be in you. Hallelujah. So we look at uh, Samuel 23, 14. It says, and David abode in the wilderness in strongholds, and he remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph, and Saul sought him every day, and God delivered him not into Saul's hands. Hallelujah. So we know that Saul was seeking David. Why? David is the one that is the man after God's own heart. That is the recreated human spirit. That is the man created after God's heart and intent. And so we see here that David is being pursued by the carnal mind or the unrenewed mind or the strongholds. And what David does is in Indigai, uh, in verse 29, 1 Samuel 23, 29, it says this, And David went up from thence and dwelt in the in stronghold at Engidai. Now, that word Engidai means a place of mental and spiritual facilities. It means that when we have mental and spiritual mindsets, that we are able to see, see through knowledge. In other words, it gives us spiritual sight to see the ways of God, to be governed by God, to hear the voice of God, to hear the voice of Samuel's. And so we have to have our minds renewed. Amen. Missed a good place to drink. So David dwells at Indigai. Now, in Indigai, in Indigai, here comes uh, some men uh, backed up by Saul, and they find David. And in First uh, Samuel four twenty four says, "And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day which the Lord said unto thee." Behold, I will deliver thine enemies into thine hand that thou mayest do to him as, as it would, shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privately. And it came to pass that afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. 
And he said unto his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, and to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered that no man rise up against Saul, but Saul rose up out of the cave and went his way. What caused David to respond in an ungodly situation? It looked like the word was being fulfilled to David. And that's what the unrenewed mind would think is vengeance. But the renewed mind, the mind that God has replaced Saul with, the mind after God's own heart, is the mind that David uses to bring out a godly end to Saul's life. David refuses to touch God's anointed. But what about the other part that God would deliver his hands in his enemies into his hands? That is true. But David, having the renewed mind now, says that, you know what? It's not for vengeance. And it's not just that I could do or that I should do. It means that I'm going to choose the overall way of God. And he then uh, looses Saul, God's anointed. David would not have. Also, the renewed mind is a mind that can be very quickly corrected and convicted. So here David is convicted, his heart smites him, and he looses and lets his enemies go. And the end story of that is that Saul declares that David has been more righteous than he himself. So we got to realize that Saul was a soulish man, was a unrenewed mind, the symbolism of it, he was a mindset of the world that creeped into Israel. But David was a mindset of God, the renewed mind that God raised up out of the midst of Israel to turn the uh, unrenewed mind back to God to walk in all of his ways. Now, having said that, we also remember there was a man named uh, what was his name? Uh, Zerubbabel. Uh, he was in Judges, the sixth uh, chapter. And uh, so he was uh, in Judges, the sixth chapter. Remember that the uh, angel came unto him and uh, his name was, let me see. Boy, I forgot all about this. And uh, then... Uh, let me see. I can't even think of his name. Boy, forgive me. <laughs> uh, and he is hiding behind the stone, beating out a uh, handset against uh, Israel. And uh, his name is Gideon. I'm so sorry. And uh, Gideon is uh, really being governed by the rule of the unrenewed mind. Now, the reason is... He doesn't see himself as God sees him. 
and he has not been able to hear the words of the prophets from Judges 6, 1 down through Judges 6, 9. But the angel declares something about Gideon, and Gideon is not capable of apprehending it because he has an unrenewed mind. So he rejects everything that God has in store for him, his purpose and his mind and him walking with God and becoming one. And so that is also symbolism of the unrenewed mind rejecting or rebelling against God. And now let's switch our attention. We're going to wrap up with this scripture uh, over to Romans, the eighth chapter. And we're going to go down to verse five, Romans, the eighth chapter, verse and it says this for they that are after the flesh or naturally minded carnally minded do mind the things of the flesh notice that if our minds do not get renewed friends if we do not intently lead a rebellion against the unrenewed mind it will stay seated in our lives and keep the recreated spirit where all of the fruits of the spirit are where faith is where all those things that come out of the kingdom of god anointing healing miracles and so forth if our minds do not get joined with our recreated spirit then that kingdom will be divided against itself and it will not be able to stand or to accomplish what God has ordained it to accomplish. Now, I hope that this is, I, I don't think that it's going over your head. You just understand that your mind has got to get renewed. You cannot take thoughts as normal. Thoughts are spiritual seeds. Thoughts are spiritual given off or sown from spiritual entities and you have to deal with those thoughts and judge whether they're right or wrong but you need to make sure that they get lined up with God and overthrow those things that are contrary to God you know you think uh, bad of yourself well what is that that's the thought of the devil and what that would do is cause you to rebel against God because you'll never live in your full potential, or will you ever rise up in faith and live? And then in Romans 8 chapter, uh, verse 5, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded, to chase after the flesh, to think like the fleshly man, to think like the old man, minded is death there is no life in it it will never produce life it'll never bring you to joy it'll never set you free so you have to realize when you're carnally minded you're separated from the abundant life that jesus came to give you now you have a right to it but what's keeping you out of it is that unrenewed mind that jericho mentality you got to overthrow it overthrow it and start thinking like God. 
You say, oh, well, that, that's blasphemy. No, that's the Bible. That's the Bible. Think like God. You know, the old uh, thing uh, that the little engine said, I uh, think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Therefore, he could. Well, that's what we need to do. We need to start speaking what God said because our minds are being renewed and believing that all things are possible. Now, the carnal mind, but to be spiritually minded will bring you into life and peace. Because the cold hard truth is the carnal mind is the enmity, the exact opposite, the enemy against, against, against God, rejects God, comes against him. That was what? Saul, that was what? Gideon, that was what? The stronghold. That's the stronghold. For if it is, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And then it says, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwells in you, and he does. Now, if any man have not the spirit of God or spirit of Christ, he is none of him. Here, you don't belong to him. But notice that it says this uh, carnal mind is not subject to the law of God. And then those that are in the flesh cannot please God. In other words, the carnal mind, the mind that is influenced by the world, thinks more about worldly things than it does spiritual things, is a rebellion, a rejection against God and it cannot please him. Do you realize that the worldly mind is faithless and it cannot be subject to the laws of faith, neither indeed ever could be. So if you don't, if you want to live in faith, then you renew your mind. You lead an outright rebellion. I mean a revolution. You overthrow those things that are deeply seated in you. Low self-esteem. You can't do it. You don't have value. Nobody loves you. You're not going to make it. God's not going to respond to you. Oh, this is too childish. This is too easy. This uh, will never happen. There's got to be more to it than this. No, that is the flesh mind. You understand that is the flesh mind and it is a death trap. Now, do you want to live in death? I would say that if you have things of the carnal mind, which you do and I do, that have not been overthrown, that you are living in the tomb of death. In some place, whether financially, health-wise, relationally, whatever it might be, you are living in a death trap. And the only way that you're ever going to be free from that death trap is to get your mind renewed and start thinking like God does. Now, I understand that you live in a world. Hallelujah. I understand that you have to use the, the mind of the world. But you don't have to allow that mind of the world 
to dominate your faith. You don't have to let do that. So let's start. Are you uh, insecure? Are you worried? Are you suicidal? Are you depressed? Are you, have you succumbed to, uh, well, I'm just old, you know, these things happen. Uh, gosh, the list goes on and on. Well, you know, I never made a lot of money, so I'm not going to be rich and I'm not going to be blessed. Well, those are all lies because blessing tendeth to riches, not your uh, job. And so you need to take those things out of your mind and replace them with that the blessings of God tendeth to wealth. That God will give you length of days and strength of life. Now, you have got to start putting that into your mind. And you have to do it by meditating on it. And once you meditate it, remember the stronghold at Indigai was a mental spiritual faculty. It was a place where we could see through the knowledge of the scriptures what was going to happen. And when you see it, it becomes more vivid to you and undeniable to you. So let's lead a revolt. Let's get dismayed with why I am thinking negative about God's promises to me. All righty. Okay. Hey, I will see you Sunday morning where we're going to be preaching on the three comings of the Lord. Now, one of them is a rapture. One of them is a judgment. One of them is a destruction and a remodeling. So I'll see you Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Thank you so much for coming tonight. And thank you for giving me the grace to be able to do this today so that I can work on getting that truck jacked up and off of me. Okay. I've been healed by the stripes of Jesus. And you just stand with me and you declare that with me because we are not worried about what the devil is doing. Amen. All right. Hey, God bless you. We love you. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor, for taking the time uh, when he wasn't feeling good to preach that message, which he did that just moments ago today. So let's just pray for Pastor, if you will, before we close out, if you don't mind. The Bible says when two or three are gathered in his name, he's in our midst, and we know that when we agree together, we'll see great things happen. Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for, for Pastor Dosick and what he means to all of us, God, in our lives. Lord, I ask you, Lord, to touch his body. I come against this, this headache and fever. I command it to be gone in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord God, for your healing virtue flowing and touching his body and making him completely well in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for coming tonight. Have you been enjoying the message on revolution? What pastor's telling us to do is don't listen to the lies of the devil, right? Because God's promises are true, and they're for everybody today. So we'll see you on Sunday when pastor continues his message on making sense of this mess. We'll see you Sunday. God bless you.